0: because of the kind of support and help I have received from the women around me, women that I know personally, women that you know, I didn't even know personally before they decided to open the doors for me and pay it forward to me. I am trying my best to be that woman, that safe space, that support system for the women that are coming up to me.
1: I'm Tamina and I'm extending a heartfelt invitation to you as we join forces in reclaiming economic power for women in a world that is often structured against us. We'll dive into the minds of accomplished female leaders, investors, and entrepreneurs to equip you with the confidence and knowledge to build wealth for yourself and other women. So buckle up, get ready to learn, and be inspired to take action. Hello, hello, and welcome back. I've been really looking forward to having this conversation for quite some time. And I am very excited to introduce you all to the one and only Titi Lope Adedokun. She is a lawyer, content creator, and social impact nerd who is passionate about the intersection of social impact, business, and technology. She's also very passionate about the empowerment of young people, particularly young women. In 2021, She founded Sisterly HQ, a platform empowering Nigerian women with the community to tell their stories their way and connecting them with opportunities and resources. Through digital storytelling, Sisterly HQ is increasing the representation of Nigerian women through and in the media and by curating opportunities and resources for women. Sisterly HQ is shattering the glass ceiling of discrimination and exclusion faced by women in the pursuit of their goals. Titi Lope, I am so, so excited to have you
0: on today. Welcome to the Give Her Dollars podcast. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here as well, like to be speaking with you today and sharing a little bit about my story. Yeah, I'm really excited. Amazing. So
1: that makes two of us be excited. (laughs) Uh, Great, great start to this conversation. Um, Titi Lupe, this this podcast is all about helping women build wealth for themselves and other women. And I always like to say that A wealthy woman can walk out of almost every room she feels uncomfortable in and create opportunities for other women along the way because financial independence equates freedom. So I like to start out with the same question for all of my guests each season. What does women supporting women mean to you personally
0: and how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? That's a really good question. And one thing I always like to say is I am because of the women who have gone ahead of me. And so I will continue to be because of the women who are coming behind. Personally, I believe that, you know, the whole women hate women thing that everybody is trying to peddle, particularly like the media and misogynist, is a myth. Because I grew up seeing women come through for other women. Like growing up in Nigeria, Lagos, Ibadon, I grew up seeing my mom's friends rally around her when she needed help. And I saw her do the same for her female friends as well. And so for me, I would say, of course, there are exceptions here and there, but generally I grew up in an environment where women were always supporting women. And even right now in my life, it still shows up. I still see women supporting women and women rallying around women. And so for me, that was sort of like the first, the first introduction that I ever had into seeing women supporting other women it's more than that right now it has become more than just something i saw growing up to being like an extension of my life's purpose by making sure that women have equal access to opportunities and resources with sisterly hq and in other work that i do by paying forward particularly for young women it's super important and so because of the kind of support and help i have received from the women around me women that i know personally women that you know I didn't even know personally before they decided to open the doors for me and pay it forward to me. I am trying my best to be that woman, that safe space, that support system for the women that are coming after me. And so like, every time I'd see like my life story or my success story, I'm still in my success story anyway. I always, you know, remember the people who actually like sat me down and gave me my first opportunities, the people who cheered me on. Like, obviously like men did as well, but the strongest and the loudest tears came from women. So for example, my mom and my sisters, they are my village. They mean so much to me. My female mentors. I had my first mentorship opportunity when I was my third year of university. I was like, I know we've been mental for like four years now and she's more like a big sister to me. The kind of things that she has told me, the advice that she has given me, even with Sisterly HQ as well, like, and I think we're going to get back into, and um, we'll probably get into that during the course of this conversation. Women like I actually be, you know, sitting me down and showing me how Sisterly HQ could work, regardless of the fear <laughs> that I had, you know, starting something like Sisterly HQ. And so for me, that just, resonate so deeply because of the help that this women have shown me because of the support that they have given me i will also with whatever i can do with the whole of my being i will be that woman for other women that are coming after me so for me it's super important to bring other women to you with, the, to, with you to the top it's very important for you to mention the men in the rooms that they're not in and bring them to that room as well so that they can use their voices
1: I I couldn't agree more with everything that you just mentioned and what I particularly loved is that you framed your advocacy and your work as an extension of your purpose when you said that I was like wow yeah that's so true because that's what it's like for me as well in fact for me I even consider being a high woman and cheerleader for other women, that is my purpose in life. And I think if there were more people who took a step back and reflected on what it actually means for them to be a woman and to engage in vulnerable conversations around the shared experiences of womanhood, I think more women would probably arrive at the same conclusion that being a supporter of fellow women, creating opportunities for other women, opening doors for other women, that that has become an extension of their purpose in life and how they show up each and every single day. So thank you for mentioning that and for shedding some light on the incredible women in your life. Mentors are so, so important, but also having very visible Female role models in your life. You're mentioning your sister, your mom, which is absolutely fantastic. I myself was very fortunate to have grown up in a rather non traditional environment with reverse gender roles, where my grandmother used to be the breadwinner of the family. She used to be a very successful pediatric surgeon so she would spend hours mm-hmm. and hours at the hospital each day while my late grandfather he was still working but he was able yeah. to work remotely from home so he ended up becoming the primary caretaker so growing up in that environment I didn't even think that just by virtue of being woman I would have barriers from both a personal and a professional perspective. And it it, it took a couple of years until I was a teenager and started experiencing the first incidents of sexual harassment and, and discrimination that I was like, oh, wow, actually, I am one of the lucky ones for having had very, very strong and visible role models in my immediate family. But unfortunately, that's not the case for every single woman out there. So definitely consider both you and I to be very, very lucky to have very strong female supporters who know how to speak up on other women's behalf and just be visible forces in in that space. Absolutely. Titi, so one of the many things I really, really love about you is that you fully embrace having what I call a multi-hyphenate or portfolio career. Which means that you have more than just one title and you're looking at your career and your professional identity as this mosaic of experiences, skills and interests, rather than allowing others to put you in a box. We already heard it in the intro, but also in your LinkedIn bio, you refer to yourself as a project manager, community builder, social impact nerd, advocate, lawyer, content creator, and most importantly, connector. Um, Walk me through how you've been able to establish that multi-hyphenate identity and what can other women do in order to build a portfolio career?
0: Thank you so much. You know, I would say I've always been somebody who is not just one thing. I was literally having a conversation with my mentor like a few months ago. And she was telling me that from the day that I met you, you've never been one thing. You've been several things at the same time. For a long time, I embraced it. I loved it. But at some point in my life, maybe because of other things that were going on, I started to question it. I started to feel, oh, maybe could stuff have been better if I just focused on one thing or if I just showed up as one person with just one facet to me. And I remember something that a mentor told me. And he told me that there's always a common thread. If you look at everything you're doing, from being a lawyer to Sisterly HQ to every single thing you're doing, there's just a common thread. And for me, that common thread has always been social impact. I just say this for anybody who's also in that phase or who is going through that phase right now, who's thinking, my God, I have so many things that is going on. Like what's happening? (laughs) It's overwhelming. I get it. I've been there. But the beauty is the multi hyphenated nature that we have, this multifacetedness, if that's the word that we have, is such a strength. And the point is, is there, like, if you actually sit down and look at it very well, you'd see that there's a common thread that goes through every single thing that we care about. So, um, one thing I would say that has always helped me to embrace that side is being very open to possibilities and doing stuff afraid. And also enjoying the process. So, so many things that I do now, I don't even think I've ever sat down, uh, rather sat down and thought, "Oh, okay, I'm going to do this and become this." Many of these things came as a result of doing other things that I loved and enjoying the process and learning through the process while I was doing them. Just having an open mind is very important. It's something that we always talk about, almost in a very flimsy way. However, it's very important to be flexible and open to possibility also like being a stand-up person for yourself is very important i remember someone saying something about me a few years ago and she said this is one of those people that if she says she's going to do something she's going to do it so T. will have an idea and she's going to bring it to life and she's going to do it and for me i count it as being a stand-up person for myself i'm always going to up for my girls i'm going to show for women like Yes, that is the entirety of the work that I do. But I'm going to show up for me as well. Even if you means doing it's afraid, I'm being scared, but still doing it for myself. And so I think just having that mentality of thinking it and achieving it, no matter how difficult, how scary it might be, I think that that goes a very long way. Just embracing it as well, embracing the multiple layers to yourself. And like I said earlier, finding that common thread that goes through everything that I care about and making sense of it. So just to round up, I would say like for other women who obviously want to hone into having like a multi-hyphenated portfolio, I would say like be very exploratory, like explore as much as you can. There's a lot of learning and discovery that comes with just trying things out, pushing yourself or putting yourself in the middle of things and seeing how it goes. If it works out great, if it doesn't work out, I've learned something from it. So being a stand-up person for yourself and showing up for you, regardless of, you know, fear or whatever, taking breaks as well and taking care of yourself is so important. As someone who has, again, so many layers, so many facets to her, it can get overwhelming and, you know, life happens. So it's very important to be able to take a step back and take care of yourself as we're discussing, you know, earlier. And, you know, find also a community of people who are like you. Because the truth is, if you find other multi hyphenated people or people who are doing amazing things that are different, but still have a common thread, then you start to see that you're not silly. Like those things that are in your head, they're not crazy. You are every, your feelings are valid. You start to see things make sense and take shape because you've seen. We're in a community of people who are also doing the things that you want to do and things that you're doing right now. So for me, I'll tell you, I've always benefited from having that community of women who are doing amazing things, social impact, but are still crushing it in the corporate world. I still have a personal life. <laughs> Creating content. You have people like you, oh my God, or people like Jasmine. Like these are amazing people that I have created as my tribe and they're always there for me and they always have my back. So Having that community is super duper important. A community of people to care for you and also for you to also give care back to them. So yeah, so I'll just Mm -hmm. round it up by saying be open to possibility, do things afraid and enjoy the process. And it will get overwhelming, but like learn to take a step back and just care for yourself in the midst of everything that you're doing.
1: Mm, Beautifully said. And... To reiterate, I think what's really, really important is for that common thread to combine everything that you do or to connect everything that you do in a way that it ultimately makes sense for people because it comes from a place of authenticity. Like you were saying, Social impact is the glue that connects all of these different titles that you carry and all of these different professional identities that you have. Similar for me, it's the women's advancement aspect that um, allows me to combine a lot of the the different things that I do and have it be perceived as something very, very authentic um, by my community. Because at the end of the day, all of the things that I say yes to. They come from a place of authenticity and they are in full alignment with my values, right? And so when you do show up as your most authentic and as your most true self, you can show up in multiple different spaces. But what it comes down to is like, okay, what she cares about is social impact at the end of the day. And she's able to serve People, she's able to serve her community, she's able to serve Nigerian women in multiple different ways. And I think that is so, so powerful. And I think more young women should really embrace that and lean into all of those possibilities, specifically because it also allows you to build a more holistic career, a more holistic network and thereby also create multiple income streams so you become less dependent on just carrying one title or become less dependent on a corporate salary because yes you might be really really passionate about your nine to five job right and that's fantastic i wish that for everyone but what happens during an economic downturn when you might be impacted by layoffs for example, or what happens when you enter a work environment that is maybe a little bit toxic or you don't get along with your team or your manager, right? In those cases, you want to have a couple of backups that allow you to sustain yourself while still feeling very connected to your ultimate purpose and and to your values. And I think building a multi-hyphenate identity and building a portfolio career allows women to become increasingly less dependent on other people, specifically men, who are still unfortunately many times in, in in those leadership positions. But also create a life that is, like I said, in full alignment with how you want to show up and how you want to serve and in alignment with your priorities and values. So thank you for just validating basically everything that that I said and the importance of having a portfolio career but prefacing it by saying like hey it's also important to give yourself some grace take care of yourself because there will be times where it can be overwhelming i think both you and i have had many of those experiences we're just talking about it to your point Before we started recording, because at the end of the day, and this is what I told you, right? Like we're we're only human at the end of the day, and and sometimes to some people it might seem like as if we have more than twenty four hours in a day. (laughs) Again, it all comes down to that thread, that commonality, how all of these different identities are glued together, guided by our overarching purpose and by our values. So cannot emphasize that enough. Let's talk about Sisterly HQ. You know, oftentimes, successful entrepreneurs and social impact leaders, they create new spaces and build something as a direct result of a pain point that they've been experiencing themselves. And I know that for you, Titi, it all started in 2019 when you attended an edit-a-thon to write biographies of Nigerian women on Wikipedia. What what happened next, and how did Sisterly HQ evolve to become a community that is hoping to positively impact twenty percent of all Nigerian women by twenty three uh, and <laughs> twenty thirty?
0: Absolutely. So I'll tell you, like with Sisterly HQ. Fun fact, actually, I'll tell you, like even the first time, like my first journey into s- something like Sisterly HQ started a little further before twenty nineteen. But then I wasn't even really thinking about it actively, but it was 2018 where I got to write a book with my faculty then. Basically interviewed women on their success stories and even the things that hurt them the most, the painful parts of their stories as well. And so that was my first ever introduction into like the world of telling very deep, heartfelt stories of Nigerian women. Fast forward mm-hmm. to 2019. The editathon happened and a friend of mine asked a bunch of hosts and said, oh, do you guys want to volunteer for this cause? Editing and writing Wikipedia pages for Nigerian women. And I was like, you know what? That sounds like my thing. Yes, girl, I am going. (laughs) And so, yes, I showed up that day. I learned how to do all the technical aspects of writing on Wikipedia. But then more importantly, I got to write the stories of amazing and phenomenal Nigerian women who were doing amazing stuff. That experience made me realize all these women are women who are high achieving, the highest of the highest. These women have gone beyond Nigeria to achieve great things. And they didn't have a Wikipedia page. Like it was, for me, it was even mind blowing to realize that some of these women didn't have a Wikipedia page because I wouldn't have thought that they wouldn't have that. I thought about it that if nobody's telling the stories of these phenomenal, groundbreaking women, then who's telling the stories of me? And the every other day woman, the every other day Nigerian woman, the regular Nigerian woman who's going to tell those stories, if nobody's even telling the stories of the people that should naturally, you know, should be on the headlines. That experience, a learning experience, but then it also shaped my mind and shaped my thoughts towards thinking that there needs to be a platform that does just that. But at the time, I just thought there needs to be a platform but then I didn't think I would be the one to create the platform. There's something I feel like in my life, I think of, about things. I have ideas and I do stuff. But then at the same time, I, I, I guess at that point, I was just looking at the idea something that someone else needed to do because I had a lot on my plates and it wasn't going to be me. <laughs> and so while I had the idea, I just thought it would be nice for somebody to do this. But I never thought that Slopper could actually be the one to do that. Fast forward to, I think, 2020, I was still thinking about it then because, I mean, I had run into some publications um, in the US and the UK. Like I used to read so many of these publications. And I saw that, for example, we had this, what's it called, Money Diaries by Refining 29. And it was super interesting to see women talk about money. They were just talking about it so unashamedly, so open and At that point, I'd never seen anything like that in Nigeria that was focused on only women talking about money. And I was like, oh, this would be nice. And I I remember seeing other publications like The Cut and, you know, so many other publications that were really focused on women. It would be so nice to have a Nigerian version of this. But then again, I never thought I would be the one to do it. So fast forward rather to 2021 where I got to participate in a coaching program with the amazing Aya She's the former African Union News Envoy and a Pan-Africanist, feminist rather, someone I really look up to. So I got the opportunity to work with her for like three months or six months. And it was a very transformative process for me because I got to talk about things I wanted to do when it came to feminism and women's rights and the change I wanted to make in the world and how I wanted to use storytelling as a tool to help to inspire, to empower, and to impact Nigerian women positively. And with her coaching session, I went from thinking about someone else could do it to thinking that I could do it finally. (laughs) And not only thinking now, but then taking the step and taking the required action to do it. So honestly, those months were super, they were super helpful to me, super transformative. One of the most transformative experiences I've ever had because it really took Mm -hmm. me from thinking that other people needed to do the work to seeing that I myself can do the work even though I was afraid even though I felt like I didn't have the resources or I didn't know what I was doing but then she helped me and gave me the tools gave me the resources and the confidence to be able to say oh you know what I can be the one to make this change I want to see because this change affects me growing up Many of us, like Nigerian women, we didn't see representation in places of power. So we've never had a female president, even in the elections that happened this year. I don't even think we had up to 5% female representation, honestly. And so it's something that we grapple with every day growing up and even now as adults. So this issue affects me as well. And so I was able to see that I could be the one to bring about that change to increase representation for Nigerian women and bring those amazing opportunities closer to Nigerian women to bridge that opportunity gap. However, so I decided to start in, so I would say I decided to start formally in August 2021. And I always say my village is super amazing. Gosh, I'm so grateful to have a village of people who always support me. I, ha- I literally have friends that they don't care what I'm doing. What if it's City Lockwear, like they'll come through for me. <laughs> and I know that it's a privilege and I do not take it for granted at, at all. So I, I remember when I started, I had people, a lot of my friends were just like, I don't know what this is about. Of course, I tried to explain Sisterly HQ at the time. I I don't even think I knew it was going to be like this at that time. But with all my scattered ideas in my note app (laughs) and the excitement of making a change, they were all in and many of them just volunteered their time, their effort, their skills and helped me to start Sisterly HQ. But a fun fact was I started Sisterly HQ literally the month I wrote my final university exams and in Nigeria, when you're done with undergrad, the next thing is to go to law school for it to become a lawyer and at the time I, at that point in my life i already knew like i would go to law school and obviously there was sisterly h u up there and i was like god like how am i going to do sisterly you?" <laughs> and the nigerian law school law school anywhere in the world is not a game in nigeria i would say it's even much more serious or something because it's literally just one year and that one year determines whether or not you are a lawyer and the, so we have to use like a negative spreading system, which is very complex and I don't want to get into it, but there's a lot riding on that one year that you don't want to have any distractions. You're all in. And I was thinking, why did I decide to start Sisterly HHU three months before I started law school? <laughs> but you know what? As scary as it was, as confusing as it was, we made it work. And again, shout out to my village, shout out to all the volunteers that worked with Sisterly HHU in the last two years. Shout out to my family, my friends, people who have really rallied around me with Sisterly HQ. Having an amazing team was super helpful for me and still continues to be very helpful for me with Sisterly HQ. I would say that that really, really kick Sisterly HQ. And all through law school, it was very great to work with an amazing team and make it what it is today. But somewhere along the line, Sisterly HQ's vision changed. And I'll just say that because I feel like when people start something. They're always scared of it evolving because they feel, oh, if something is evolving, especially when you're like under three years old, it seems like you're not serious. And and honestly, I thought that like at some point I had that fear. Oh my God, like I am changing a few things about Sister HQ. We're not even three years old. Yes, will people not like take me seriously? Will people get tired? Will people not understand the vision? But I mean, I did it, again, very afraid with the help of my team. And right now that's what we're doing right now we made it work so far so study h1 we started was a publication so we're running a publication model which we're trying to tell stories of nigerian women and also of course connect them to opportunities and resources and so at the time we had like a publication that had like several columns i remember that we had finance we had health we had culture we had tech we had so many columns and it was like writers were just like write articles, interviews, stories, whatever, and then we'd publish it like a regular, like everyday newspaper or like publication or magazine. And while that was super impactful, I remember the feedback that we got was phenomenal. At some point, October last year, I sat down and I thought about the fact that I really wanted to hone in on those deeply personal, uncomfortable stories that nobody was telling. And we're doing that, we're doing that already, but I felt there was an opportunity to even go in deeply. And so we decided to just like strip off all the other columns and just focus on those deeply personal stories of Nigerian women that nobody was telling. And it wasn't something that I had necessarily seen before. Very scary move. But I'm so glad that we did that because we've been able to tell the personal, again, very deeply personal stories of over 30 Nigerian women. And in March, we had this amazing series called Period Diaries. It was Women's History Month. And we thought, what can we do to celebrate this month? And what can we do to shed a light on something that is happening in Nigeria right now? And so we chose the idea of period health, and we had women send us their weekly, their period calendar, their period diary, basically like how they experience being on their period for every single day of their period. As in, it was so insightful and transformational, and I think a lot of people were shocked by the things that they were reading. So, for example, the first story that we ever published was a medical student here in Lagos, Nigeria, who's actually experiencing period poverty. I remember the day that the story went live. We sort of had a mini viral moments because someone that had like 80,000 followers reported it and many people were coming to read the story because people were surprised. They didn't realize that period poverty is not just something that is so far away from us. It's happening to our classmates, colleagues at work. It's something that is happening to people that, Your friends, literally. And I think it was such a reality check for everyone to understand that, well, period poverty is not just something we care about. It's happening right now in our society, in our families, in our communities, to our friends, people that we know. And we continue to tell those stories, those period diary stories. You know, a lot of people would say, and I thought it was also a very huge success because we also got to spotlight and highlight the work of amazing Nigerian organizations doing stuff about period poverty and helping Nigerian women and Nigerian girls to get out of period poverty in Nigeria. It's just type of stories that I wanted to tell. And it's just very interesting to see it taking shape. And one other thing that I would say when it comes to our evolution was also focusing on being a community and all encompassing community that is empowering women to tell their stories their own way, rather than telling the, the stories for the women. Because as I said, like we had a publication model where we just like write stories, publish it. But this time, we're actually giving women the platform for them to come and tell their own stories their own way. So we're not telling anybody stories for them, no. We're letting everybody have a safe space, And Nigerian women have a safe space to come and be their own voices and tell their own stories their own way. Because I mean, I feel that's another conversation of another, for, for another day about being a voice for people and actually letting people tell their stories themselves. So we really wanted to zero in on being that platform that would let Nigerian women, okay, it's like, You have the mic, you say what you need to say, or you say what you have to say, rather than saying, we're going to tell it for you. No, 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 we're not doing that. So that transition and that evolution, I'm very proud that we made that evolution. It was scary at first, as I mentioned, but you know, I mean, fear will do what it needs to do and you get it done and you'll be glad when you come out of it and you see the growth. So I'm very glad to see how far we've come. Again, I cannot overemphasize or like underemphasize the power of having an amazing and supportive community from like Aachebe who literally like mentored me and coached me to start Sisterly HHU to the team of volunteers that always supported Sisterly HHU. And fun fact, we're we're currently like working on a story on like spotlighting Sisterly HHU alumni because I realized that after Sister D a lot of people who worked with us actually went on to start their own social impact initiative. It's amazing to see how like Sister You has even like started like, inspiring other social impact initiatives of for people and for volunteers that have worked with us. So let me just cut this short by saying, <laughs> you know, the entire idea of Sister D H you was something I started very afraid, knowing that, you know, not thinking I would be the one to do it. But I'm so glad and grateful that I finally took that leap of faith. And, you know, We're still doing it today. It's not like it doesn't have its challenges. It does have its challenges, internal and external. But I'm so grateful for our growth so far. And I cannot wait to see us really, really become what we're meant to be. I can't wait for us to, as you said earlier, achieve our goal of positively impacting up to 20% of Nigerian women on the internet by 2030. So yeah. Mm
1: be the change you want to see in the world. I think that is the overarching theme here. And I really admire you and commend you for taking that step, because initially when you started telling, telling the birthing story of Sisterly HQ, yes, you identified a pain point, a challenge that your community was facing, but at first you didn't believe that it should necessarily be you who would be the change maker in in this case actually taking that first step to building something a lot of people don't do that a lot of people are too afraid i mean you're still very very young and you made that very conscious decision to build something for other women there are thousands of other incredible nigerian women out there m- many of whom have more years of experience right might be better connected or are not just about to start law school right and be be very challenged to juggle a social impact enterprise and a very challenging but what differentiates you from all of the other women out there is you went out and did it you did it and yes you didn't do everything by yourself you were able to find volunteers you were able to build a support system and i love that you pointed it out so many times that it's so important for you to have a support system of people who don't just help you with getting the work done but who also provide emotional safety and allow you to vent or be active listeners introduce you to other people mentor you sponsor you name your your, your enterprise in a room full of opportunities when you might not be in the room right i really really commend you for taking that step to build something and something else that really resonated with me was the way you describe the evolution of Sisterly HQ. This is something I deeply identify with because for me it was it was similar. I started my first podcast and first kind of community femhive in in 2020 at the beginning of of the pandemic, and at the time it was like. I didn't really have a big plan, right? I just knew that I wanted to do something that would help young female professionals be more successful in terms of advocating for themselves in the workplace and navigating that transition from school to the real world and becoming a functioning adult. I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew that I wanted to do something and get started and it kind of developed its own life from there. And then when I moved to New York a year and a half, almost two years later, I felt like I had almost outgrown my own platform and there was that need for a pivot and to allow my platform, my community to evolve alongside me and alongside of what I was seeing happening around me. So to your point, I wouldn't say pivoting or making strategic changes to your enterprise should be considered as like, a failure or you not being consistent i think you just learn more over time you get to know your community your audience and their needs over time and you pivot i mean some of the most successful companies in history that have existed for decades they've had to pivot over and over and over again they re reinvented their logos their slogans color palettes all, all of that right i think it's only natural for, for organizations and for companies to evolve over time they do that in order to better serve their communities i love that you pointed that out would love to talk a little bit more about content creation because you are a content creator and a linkedin top voice uh, and that's actually how i first discovered your work because your posts just kept showing up on my feed um and when i mentor and coach young women i always tell them how important it is for them to build a strong personal brand in order to attract opportunities and become increasingly independent. How did you learn to develop a voice and put yourself out there? I know it was a process for you with Sisterly HQ, but what have been your biggest takeaways when it comes to developing that voice and mustering up the energy and oftentimes also bravery to really put yourself out there in the public with your name and your, you know, your image your personality your resume and everything
0: that is attached to your identity gosh that's a very good question so with being like a brand and telling my story i would definitely say linkedin has been a huge part of it that didn't just start from linkedin many people don't know this but back in the day i used to have like a wordpress blog (laughs) where I was vlogging about every and anything. So politics, movies, I was always trying to express myself in some way. And writing was such a huge part of that. But in, I started to take LinkedIn seriously out T 20, just at the beginning of the pandemic. And for me, I felt I had a lot of knowledge to give. And my question was, how can I help fellow Nigerian students, particularly at the time, to learn or to understand or know the things that I know at the time? And so I remember that I started making posts, just tips and things that I did when I was in university or how to just do stuff basically. I was just giving a lot of tips then. And from there, I started to share about the things I was passionate about. So beyond sharing those tips and helping Nigerian women, Nigerian women and Nigerian students, for me actually it was Nigerian students at the time to get ahead. I was also very passionate about like women's rights and gender equality and equity and feminism and It was just natural to talk about what I was, to be vocal about what I was passionate about. And honestly, it just took off from there. I said to also share more and more of my passions. So the first thing I would say is I've always been somebody who, if I like something or if I like something or I'm passionate about something, I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to talk about it. I've always been that type of person. Like even again, even before like LinkedIn happened or before like social media happened, when I had my blog, like, Even within my family members, I used to be the kind of person that if I discovered something I was really cool, I would tell everybody in my family because they had to try it as well. So I've always been vocal about things that I loved and things that I was passionate about. And it really just flew, like the whole thing just flew into like my experience with LinkedIn as well. So like being vocal about women's rights just came naturally because first of all, as I said, I grew up around very strong female figures from my mom to like, aunties or like in nigeria we call everybody like all, all the adults who they're not necessarily your family members <laughs> but because like they're adult women who like you grew up we call them aunties so like that could include like moms of my friends like i literally was having this conversation with my sister like last week about how we grew up with amazing boss lady women and all of those experiences made me super passionate about like women's rights and gender equality and obviously also seeing the discrimination that women generally, women in my life, women outside of my life faced, despite the amazing and phenomenal things that they were doing. So it just made sense for me to talk about it. And I'll just say like being authentic to myself has just always been everything that I've been trying to do. So I will never be who I'm not. I will always show up the way that I am, like take it or leave it. And with LinkedIn and with even building my personal brand, on and off LinkedIn, I try to show up as authentic as I can be. I am a Nigerian woman, woman, rather, with short hair, with my Nigerian accent. Those are the things that make me me, and I will not pretend to be anybody else. When you're very passionate about things in Nigeria, I will say you carry it on top of your head like football, Whether I like it or not, I'm the kind of person that I will literally be talking about something else. And somehow, I would find the way to just put women's rights and gender equality inside of it without even trying and I've just come to embrace that. I will not be ashamed of it. That's who I am. I will carry women's rights on top of my head like football. That's just how it is. <laughs> so yeah, just being authentically me, being very vocal about what I was passionate about definitely helped me as well with building a brand and using my voice Um, with building a brand. That's pretty much it. One thing I will point out is... When it comes to creating content and building a personal brand, and I think we've been talking about this a lot, but I'll just say we'll as well. Please take breaks when you need it. Activist burnout, creator burnout is so real. And I mean, you would know as well, you create content on LinkedIn as well. And even like your podcast, is, it has storytelling and content creation too, you know, with it. Burnout is real. So I feel as creators, learn to understand your body. Understand when your body's telling, do not create right now. You do not need to create. You'll be The world will go on if you don't create for one day <laughs> and embrace that. And then obviously come back up the next thing. Because I mean, people don't know, but I'm taking so many breaks from content creation. But I always come. And it's so funny because every time I take a break from content creation, for some reason I feel like more people are messaging me, telling me that, oh my God, they're seeing my content. And and they're like, they love my content. I'm like, I'm not even creating right now. The work that you've done will continue to speak for you. So don't think that, you know, you always have to create when you when the last thing that you want to do right now is to create. Understand that the work that you've already done, the precedent that you've ar- already set will always show up for you. And I think I should just mention something about consistency as well. So when it comes to building a personal brand, consistency is something that, you know, has everybody in a chokehold. People want to be consistent. And I mean, Absolutely be consistent. Being consistent, of course, will speak for you again, will up for you in your work and shop for you in your content creation journey. However, understand that Con- consistency means different things for different people. Try to define what consistency means to you and then stick to it. So don't go and say, oh, because this locker is creating content every single day, then I have to create content every single day. And honestly, what you need to do is you need to sit down and determine if, Consistency means to you is what consistency means to you to create content once a week or like twice a week or just figure it out and like stick with it. And when you fall off, because you will fall off because life is lifing. (laughs) So you will fall off. There's nothing you can do about it. Nobody is perfect. So I would say focus less on falling off and Focus more on how can I get back into the groove of what I was doing before and why I love to create content. Don't really focus on like falling off and mistakes that you didn't make. Oh, you didn't create content for like six months. Okay, tomorrow is a new day. Can you create content tomorrow that you love? Focus more on that rather than focusing on, oh, I didn't create content for six months and because of that, um, this or that. So yeah, that's all I would say. So <laughs> um, for me, again, it started from just honestly, just from just like expressing myself. Trying to help people to understand or know what I already knew. And then it morphed into like being passionate, being vocal about what I was passionate about and, you know, sharing all that I know about. Beautifully said. Authenticity, but also
1: setting boundaries every now and then and taking a step back from content creation. I think that's so, so so important because to your point yeah and we talked about this before burn burnout for for content creators and and activists is is very very real and you don't want to be burned out by something that you usually love doing right so you got to know how to set those boundaries and don't always just create for the sake of Creating, I don't know how how it works for you, but I get inspired at the most random times when I, you know, walk down the street and listen to a podcast episode, or I read an article, or I have a conversation with, with a friend or a coworker, and so I, I use Notion for everything. I I live in Notion basically, so I keep a running list of all the things that come to mind, and then sometimes it sits there for like days, weeks or even months, and I don't do anything with it. But at some point, that spark is coming, and I know, okay, now I, I know the angle. Now I have a hook for this. Now it is also timely with what is going on for, on a macro environment. But sometimes you just got to take a break. I was on on vacation. I, I went to, to Costa Rica and was offline for the first time in my life for an entire week, and it was amazing. And I came back and felt so much more at peace and rejuvenated and inspired to, to keep putting out content. And up until that point before vacation, I was really like holding on to a thread and, and, and was really close to, to burnout if I wasn't already burned out, to be quite honest. Um, so cannot agree more with everything that you just shared. One final question for you, Titi. I don't only like to always start out with the same question, but I also like to close with the same question for each of my guests. We talked a lot about increasing women's visibility, specifically Nigerian women, making sure that their voices are heard, that their stories are being told. And ultimately, why is that so important? Well, because visibility is important to attract opportunities and ultimately to be paid. Right. So would love to talk a little bit about finances and specifically what financial milestone you have achieved that you are most proud of can really be anything.
0: Okay, so I'm not sure whether this is a milestone, but I've pretty much care about financial freedom. And for me, financial freedom is not just even for yourself. It's very important for yourself as a person, yes, but then it's also important like, to impact the like, community and all of that. And so for me, one thing that, I'm very, that I hold very daily and I'm glad I've been able to, be, to do rather is to be able to support the causes I care about financially, particularly when it comes to like women's rights and women-focused organizations. And I think for the first time, it was like about three years ago or so, when I was in my fourth year of university or fifth year of university. I started to consistently, on a monthly basis, give to the women's rights organization in Nigeria. I remember at the time, I didn't even know I could do that at that time. I was going to make it work anyhow, anywho, and I was able to make it work. And it's something that I've kept up till today. And it really, really meant a lot to me because women's rights organizations in Nigeria, anywhere in the world, are severely underfunded. The work that they do is so important. But then they get like the list of the money allocated to like social impact causes. I remember reading something from Awid a few months or years ago about how I think like women's rights organizations literally get like less than 1% of overall funding when it comes to social impact causes. It blew my mind because these women's rights organizations are doing like the entire world a service and I felt they should be supported more. But then it's one thing to say, oh, they should be supported, it's another thing to be able to actually. Provide that support in terms of monetary support. And whether we like it or not, I would say, like, this is the second time I'm saying this on a podcast, whether we like it or not, impact, social impact on a large scale costs money. It's the truth. People don't want to believe it. People think, oh, it's just kumbaya, everybody happy, whatever. Passion is important. Yes, you can use the skills that you have, absolutely, 100%. But on a very large scale, you need financial resources to be able to make impact. So, for example, one of the organizations I support, they are the first rather sexual abuse referral center in Nigeria. They have to buy rib kits. They need you need money to do all these things. Even when you, if you care about climate change, planting trees costs money. You have to buy fertilizer. <laughs> we have to be real and understand that making change, there's always going to be that financial aspect to it. And so, to be able to support these organizations that I care so much about and be able to do that out of pocket, um, you know, has been something that I would say is a financial milestone for myself. Honestly, going forward, I hope that more people will support women-led and women-focused organizations. Honestly, it doesn't have to be much. I remember starting out with like very, very, very little amount, but then I just used to tell myself that, oh, I mean, I was contributing every month. So at the end of the year, (laughs) it will all add up to something bigger. And you know, yes, it did, right? Even if I was only able to like help them to purchase one or two rape kits or three rape kits, whatever, like that definitely helped. I would really like to encourage people to please support those women's causes that you care about. Those things cost money. Show impact, if we're being honest, on a large scale, particularly, costs money. And so please let you know, support them as much as we can. And then I understand, and I have to say, like, I understand that it's an immense privilege to, you know, support social impact causes, particularly women's rights causes, you know, financially, because not everybody can do that. But then if you have the means to do that, I think it's something that everybody should participate in because trust me, I don't only see it as a privilege, but then I also see it as such an honor to be able to support the groundbreaking work that is positively impacting women. And at the end of the day, I always say this thing, don't just talk the talk and walk the talk, but also fund the talk because it's not just about walking and talking. you got to fund the change. So, so yeah, that so that's what I would say is a financial milestone.
1: I love that, and I couldn't imagine better words to, to close with today. Social impact work requires financial support. Put your money where your mouth is, and be inspired by incredible women like our wonderful guest Titi Lope, today. So. Thank you so, so much for your time. It was a wonderful conversation. I'm so, so inspired by you. Um, To everyone out there, make sure to follow her on LinkedIn. Make sure to follow Sisterly HQ on Instagram. Check out their website and help spread the word for her incredible work and make sure that we can provide more visibility for Nigerian women. Thank you so much for being here with me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I had such a great time. Honestly, this was phenomenal. Thank you.
1: Hey there, not so fast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you've listened in from today. Reviews are a podcaster's most important currency. It helps me create visibility for the incredible women who join me on the show. And if you've made it this far, I'd like to believe that supporting women is one of your favorite pastimes. If you already left a review, first of all, thank you. But why not share this episode with a friend or post it to your Instagram story? Thank you for helping me on my mission to make women rich by making women rich.